0: Welcome to the Pilot Podcast,
1: where we watch the pilot episodes of TV shows. To answer your question, should I watch this?
0: My name is BJ.
1: And my name is Me Too.
0: And this week, we're checking out The Capture on Peacock, Brave New World on Peacock, Cursed on Netflix, and Cannonball on USA Network.
1: So stay tuned to the end to find out if I successfully taught BJ how to swim.
0: Spoiler, no.
1: (laughs) (laughs) They're supposed to stay tuned to the end. There is more to your swim journey, which we'll share later.
0: Spoiler, coronavirus got in the way.
1: That's true. (laughs) Okay, so I guess we can just jump right in.
0: How about we start with the show where it's all about watching people, because sometimes you just creepily watch your friends.
1: Like the surveillance state does us. The UK Special Forces' Sean Emery, played by Callum Turner, was acquitted of a war crime, but now finds himself accused of the kidnapping and murder of his barrister, Hannah, played by Laura Haddock, due to damning CCTV footage. Hot on the trail of this case is Detective Inspector Rachel Carey, played by Holiday Granger, who soon uncovers that there is much more than meets the eye with all of the footage involved with this case. So, Beach, how did you feel about the prevalence of CCTV footage or cameras in this? Pilot episode, it seems like the theme of the show will be really can we rely on this as a method of policing or not?
0: I feel that it's a really good message or theme to put out there because whether or not it's CCTV, we are all being watched and monitored in different ways. You know, my own apartment building has security cameras, but then even when people used to be out and about everywhere, if someone takes a picture, you might be in the background. You can be tracked by your cell phone so your cell phone provider knows where you are. And I think it's interesting to see when that can be used against you when you're being accused of a crime. How do you feel about the use of CCTV in this series?
1: I agree with you. I like that it presents, I guess we can call it both sides of the argument of the dangers of the police state. So Sean Emery, was acquitted of a war crime because footage showed him shooting someone whom he called an insurgent when he was in the Middle East in the military. And the footage initially showed him shooting, then saying, back up. And people thought that he said back up just for the sake of the camera. And said that after the shooting, in order to justify him shooting someone in cold blood, when in reality, or at least the reality we understand for right now, Mm -hmm. the footage was off from the audio. So he said back up first, then shot the person to protect himself. So that's one side where there's a danger of CCTV as they've posed it because it doesn't tell the full story. On the other side, he could have murdered this person in cold blood while he was stationed abroad, and he could have kidnapped and murdered his barrister. We don't know. And that footage potentially points the finger at the person who did it.
0: Certainly. it. It asks a lot for people to trust in technology, when at the same time, we see that not only can technology be manipulated, but it can be unreliable. And so you always have to question, are we seeing the whole story? Are we seeing the truth? Did someone tamper with this? Or do we need to manipulate it to make it the truth again? And I think those are all really tough questions that are just going to become more and more relevant in society.
1: Especially with regard to facial recognition. With Sean, we, so we meet him as he wins his appeal from this war crime. And you see him trying to get back to his new normal in that brief period before Hannah Roberts, his barrister, disappears. How did you feel about Sean himself and him trying to adjust to life on the outside again?
0: It's really interesting, especially after we just reviewed Outcry last week, where they present Sean as just a very nice guy who's just trying to get his life together. He's staying with his dad. He's just out of the pub with some friends. He has a bit of chemistry with Hannah, and he wants to see where that can go. We find out that he has a daughter, and he and his daughter's mother are on kind of rocky terms. And so he, you really can feel for him. You empathize as he's rebuilding his life. And now he has the chance to rebuild his life, which I think, unfortunately, might just be the writers presenting him this way now, so we feel bad when he gets arrested. What are your thoughts?
1: I think that's what made the show so fun, is I couldn't tell if they were presenting Sean as this unassuming guy just wants to get back with his daughter, kept saying that to people. You saw him turn down alcohol and drugs in this episode, so they present him as extremely straight-laced. He is sober. not sure if that's a reason because of overuse in the past, but we just know that he is sober now. And he has this really sweet interaction with his barrister before she disappears. We don't know what happened, but we do know that in the moments leading up to it, they have a very sweet exchange. And so you, you can't help yourself but like him. Mm-hmm. And you forget that he murdered someone in cold blood. We know that he did that. It's just the justification for it, quote unquote, is what got him off on appeal. And he could have potentially killed his barrister as well. So, yeah, I couldn't tell if they were making him so likable for that reason to pull the rug out from under us later on.
0: Yeah, it could just be to make the mystery more interesting. And now we're diving into that mystery even further through the eyes of our investigator, Rachel Carey. And she is like, no nonsense. She's bossing people around. She's getting the CCTV footage. And she really does believe that the footage will tell the truth.
1: You see her start to have seeds of doubt toward the end of the pilot. Mm-hmm. although she is very convinced that he did it, and anyone who saw the footage would be convinced that he did it.
0: He was even shocked.
1: We all were. We all looked at that at the same time and went, "Huh, I guess he did kill her, and he just really misremembers it or is a fantastic liar, but the footage shows otherwise. So you see slight seas of doubt, but she's pretty much on the fast track. You also learn that she's in a position in her work where she will likely be a lead investigator. She's on this career track to really high-ranking success. So this case is a big deal for her too. She can't get it wrong. That's
0: true. There's a lot of pressure and eyes watching her. So how this case proceeds will strongly impact her career, which might be why she's pushing for, let's just believe the footage, anything in my intuition that says something might be off ignore it.
1: So does your intuition tell you to watch more episodes of Peacock's The Capture?
0: Yes. My intuition says that this is going to be a fun ride and that there's going to be lots of twists and turns, even with this CCTV footage. So I would rate it would watch again seriously. It's only six episodes, and I think that's the perfect amount of time to tell a story like this. So I'm all in. How do you feel?
1: Like you said, it's six episodes. It's not trying to be this long, drawn-out situation. It's fun, it's fast-paced, and we're hopefully going to find out who done it or really what happened to get done by the wrap of this series. So I look forward to more, and I would recommend to any of our listeners who are interested in mystery shows or intrigue like this, this will be a great show for you to watch. And Peacock is free, so you can just tune in.
0: So how about we head to another show about a surveillance state where everything you're doing is being watched and monitored at all times.
1: It's like Cheers, where everybody knows your name. Tell us what happened in Brave New World, also in the Peacock universe.
0: Well, in Brave New World, they know more than your name. They know everything you've done and who you've done all the time. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, this science fiction show is based on the 1932 novel of the same name by Aldous Huxley. And so we're seeing a new adaptation. And the whole idea is we're set in the world of New London in the future, where they have three rules. No privacy, no family, no monogamy. And they believe this is what's going to make everyone happy. So they're actually trying to set up this idea of a utopian society where there's peace and stability. You give up everything that we consider to be liberties and freedoms to have this open society where everyone is happy. They're also taking drugs that make them happy. But I guess that is just part of being in utopia. (laughs) And we're introduced to New London through Lenina Crown, played by Jessica Brown Finley, and her superior Bernard Marks, played by Harry Lloyd. But we have a big contrast to all of that, Me Too. Outside of New London is the Savage Lands. And this is the world that we're more familiar with, where there's death, hunger, hunger, suffering, emotions, poverty. And we go there with John the Savage, played by Alden Ehrenreich. And we see him really just trying to take care of himself and his mother. But it's a rough world out in the savages. So what were your first thoughts?
1: We've seen a lot of utopia shows. This is, of course, based on one of the OG utopia books, Brave New World by Aldous Huxley. And it is interesting, the notion of trying to manufacture happiness. In this first episode, One of the things that sets Bernard on a path of questioning what's happening around him is he is assigned to the case of an Epsilon, who is a member of the new society who potentially has died by suicide.
0: A low ranking member.
1: And that sets him off on this journey of questioning what is emotion? Why does he not feel happy all the time? What is happy? Because although there is this very free feeling and free will willing society, people still, I guess, are capable of having a range of emotions that isn't only joy. So it was interesting to watch him explore that. Because everyone is tied into this network, he's able to touch the Epsilon member who has already died and can see his final moments through the chip that's in all of their contact lenses and freaks out because he can feel the emotions that the person felt as they were falling.
0: Yeah. And his boss even told him that's not your job to like think and feel these things. Mm-hmm. Just make sure everyone's happy. And that is also the problem that Lenina is going through because even though she knows she's not allowed to be in monogamous relationships, she finds herself, we believe, to start develop feelings for a single person. And that's a no-no.
1: Yes, she has that bond with Henry Foster, played by San Mitsuji, and she has to give that up. and, And she even facilitates him sleeping with her, I guess, best friend, Franny, played by Kylie Bunbury, because they can't be perceived as only wanting to sleep with or be with each other. There is no selfishness allowed in this society. It is everyone For everyone.
0: Yeah, it would be very inconsiderate if you only slept with one person and only allowed yourself to sleep with one person.
1: Similarly, when Bernard went to the bathroom in his own apartment, he took out the contact lens for just a moment of reprieve and got in trouble for that because that was wanting privacy. And again, everything for everyone. He even is reprimanded in that moment for not having engaged in an orgy earlier.
0: Don't behave in a solitary lifestyle. That's not how New London operates. But I think it would be okay to do that in the Savage Lands where John is. What did you think of this contrasting world to New London?
1: So y'all, this place is really interesting. It is an extreme version of the society that we're living in, where there is, as BJ said, poverty and full ranges of emotions and monogamous relationships and and all of the feelings and stuff that comes with that. And there is alcohol use issues and people age and they get sick. All things that don't happen in New London. And they put themselves on display as a vacation destination for new london to tour <laughs> which is interesting given the tourist leanings of people in london today and how they used to tour places that they considered savage lands yeah still
0: <laughs> see how the the lesser lived their lives
1: yes poverty tourism is a real thing and that's what we saw in the savage lands so So it's interesting to see these extremes of society contrasting New London and the Savage Lands and the problems that you see within each. But also, we see a rebellion starting to form in the Savage Lands. And we know that they might be starting to get fed up with these New Londoners coming through and touring and making fools of them, but not giving them resources, because these people are hungry, they're tired, they're fed up. And that is the perfect recipe for uprising.
0: So how do you see our main characters, John, Lenina, and Marx coming together? We get hints of why Bernard Marx might be going to the Savage Lands, but I don't really see how John and Lenina are going to play into this overarching storyline.
1: I read the book, so it's hard to (laughs) to fake the predictions. And this first episode is pretty close to the book. A book reading hive. We know generally how this will end. I think it would be difficult for the show to diverge from that, especially the storyline with John's mom, played beautifully by Demi Moore. But the method by which they get there, I'm not sure. So, what do you see coming?
0: I see Lenina and Marks abandoning New London to the Savage Land because they are starting to question and feel emotions, Mm -hmm. and this will be their getaway. I think Lenina is going to bump into John and be like, ooh, someone I can have feelings for, who has feelings for me. And then they're going to be caught between, do I want to be in this messy rebellion or do I want to be a beta minus and an alpha plus in the utopia of New London?
1: Hmm, okay. (laughs) I can't give anything away.
0: I know, you can't comment on that.
1: (laughs) Do you want to watch more episodes of Brave New World?
0: I do. I liked it. I think this was a well done sci fi series. And I like the contrasting world. So I do want to see them kind of clash and come together. And so I would watch again, seriously. What about you?
1: I don't think this was so different from other shows about utopias or the book. So I think if if you're looking for a show like that, then I would recommend Brave New World. But for me, I think I am all good.
0: That's fair. Where do you think you would rank in New London? Or would you be a savager? Savage lander?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Hmm, Where would you rank?
0: I'd be an alpha plus in New London.
1: I don't know if I would want to be an alpha plus because there's a responsibility there to manage others. So I think I I would want to be whatever middle management is in that universe. Maybe the beta plus, what Lenina is. I think maybe I'd want to do that.
0: Okay. I'd like to just go through everyone's business and be like, me too. I know. I know what you were doing on Tuesday. (laughs)
1: I know that's why you wanted that. You're Mr. CCTV. Talk about the capture.
0: <laughs> <But> no. <laughs> New London's technology is much better than CCTV. I don't trust CCTV. <laughs> Did you see that facial recognition? It was blurry.
1: That's true. You need it to be clear. You need it projected like how they were able to do it.
0: Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. HD, right through those contacts, straight into my brain. <laughs>
1: Okay, so let's take things from New London and the Peacock Network over to another mainstay, Netflix, with their show, Cursed. Beej, what happened in that one? So, Cursed
0: is a new fantasy drama series on Netflix, kind of like a new Witcher-type series, but this one is going to Arthurian legend, and we're actually following the story through our young heroine, Nimue, And we start off seeing that she has special powers and gifts as part of her tribe of people. And she's played by Catherine Langford. So the whole story starts off with her trying to abandon her own abilities and powers. And this leads her and her friend Pim, played by Lily Newmark, to head out of town for a little bit. And that's where they end up meeting Arthur, played by Devin Terrell. And on their way back, they're getting caught up in a whole lot of drama and mess.
1: (laughs) A whole lot of drama. (laughs)
0: Which is being caused by the Red Paladins. And they're being led by Father Cardin, played by Peter Mullen. And they want to eradicate all demons and evil magic from the world. Which also puts Nimue as a threat because she has magical powers. Secondary to all of this, we see the famous character Merlin, played by Gustav Skarsgård, who is not the Merlin we know from Arthurian legend yet. He doesn't seem to have full control of his powers. The king is blaming him for droughts, but he's having visions and seeing messages in the world that I think is going to lead him to Nimue eventually. What were your first thoughts of this story?
1: Like you said, we are familiar with the Arthurian tales. so. It feels odd to watch this show and start falling in love with Nimue. Catherine Langford is really great in this role as Nimue, but knowing that she's going to be the Lady of the Lake. So she is destined for power and greatness, but also great tragedy.
0: And they waste no time with that. She has kind of visions, flash forwards of herself drowning in the lake.
1: Yes. There's no moment at which they're like, maybe she might not go. They're like, no mama. It opens with her vision and it tells us the viewer that they'll likely stay closer to the tale. They won't have a magical version of this where everything turns out fine. At least that's my impression so far.
0: But maybe she'll have like a really fun and cool journey on her way to the lake.
1: And maybe the lake isn't tragedy in this iteration. Who knows?
0: Maybe she can breathe underwater and, you know, occasionally leave the lake.
1: That'd be nice.
0: We'll have to wait and see.
1: (laughs) So what were your first impressions?
0: I liked it. This was a fun medieval type of series. And I think the use of magic was well done. Uh, Every time Nimue uses her magic powers, she gets these like kind of moss vine like marks on her face. Mm -hmm. And I think that that was a really well done special effect. And there's really good action. The red paladins, like I said, they're starting drama, burning buildings, pillaging, causing a ruckus. And Nimue even gets a really cool fight scene showing off her skills with the sword.
1: Within this tale, she experiences some tragedy, attempting to save her mom, Lenore, the Queen Regent, played by Polly Walker, but her mom does gift her a mission. So we do know that at some point, she is supposed to meet with Merlin. If not, she will certainly meet with Merlin. And it almost feels like they're having some shared visions, which will be interesting to see play out if their magic is connected in any way or if they're spirits or whatever it is in that universe are connected. We also have this other player who does dark magic in The Weeping Monk, played by Daniel Sharman. And we don't know much about him yet other than that he's a guy in a gray cloak who causes destruction wherever he goes. Also, y'all, if you do not want spoilers on Cursed, do not look up these characters on Wikipedia. They have some very big spoilers in here just in the cast and characters list by accident.
0: Yeah, a few characters are going by different names. Yes. So save the surprise.
1: So we know generally where everyone ends up because this is such a classic tale. Mm -hmm. But we're already seeing some divergence in this telling of it. One, because it's high production Netflix, but two, because we're already seeing these dark iterations. Like Merlin is a guy who has not found his power. He's over-reliant on alcohol. And he makes blood rain from the sky, potentially by accident, on purpose, we're not sure. So what are some of your predictions for how we get to the other side of where we know largely where everyone will end up?
0: So I'm thinking after this pilot episode, it seems like we're going to be going on a fun adventure with Nimue, Arthur, and maybe Pim will join them. So we have a trio on a mission to find Merlin. You know how they're going to get to him? I'm not really sure because I don't know if Nimue even knows where Merlin is. But like you said, there is this mysterious connection, magical connection between the two. So I think we're going to see them being drawn to each other. But as they get closer together, more bad things are going to happen, whether it's the Red Paladins, whether it's raining blood, they're going to experience setbacks.
1: (laughs) Raining blood is a setback.
0: That's going to keep them away from each other. That could extend the story, you know, preventing Nimue from going straight to the lake.
1: That's very true. Maybe they'll just prolong that deep dive she'll eventually take.
0: Yeah, they'll just keep missing each other. Oh, almost saw each other. Almost there. What do you think will happen?
1: I don't know if this is something I think will happen, but I just look forward to watching the bond between Nimue and Arthur because they have such a great chemistry. There's like a great attraction there. Well,
0: bummer. (laughs) (laughs) It'll be fun while while it lasts. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Wow. Okay. So on that bummer note, do you want to watch more episodes of Cursed on Netflix?
0: I sound like a broken record, but I want to watch this again seriously as well. Wow. I am surprised that I liked Nimue as a lead character. She seemed a little whiny at first, but she's actually kind of relatable. And I think she's going to go on a pretty cool adventure. So I want to keep watching. How would you rate this series?
1: So I think I personally would not watch more episodes of this. Of course. Okay, judgy. And I think that other people who are not super into sci-fi and fantasy, I don't think that this is the one that's going to get us sucked in. However, I live with someone who loves this sort of stuff. So I may be in a position where I have no choice and I have to watch a couple more episodes. Bummer. Okay, I guess that's the word of the day.
0: So how about we head to a show that maybe is more in your lane, a game show on USA Network?
1: I think you're talking about cannonball hosted by roxy diaz of 106 and park fame and wwe superstar the miz alongside sideline reporter simon gibson this show features contestants facing off in the wettest slipperiest water sports competition ever in hopes of winning ten thousand dollars in this first episode we meet 12 contestants vying for the prize in this episode themed i need to pay my bills
0: Everyone seemed to need money in this first episode. And I get it. Yeah, it's tough times. So Me Too, did you enjoy seeing a water sport game show now that it's summer and it's getting very hot outside?
1: So the draw of this game is that you go on this 100 foot water slide and you have to do activities after and you get up to 60, 70 miles an hour as you go down it. The difficulty with a water sports themed game show is that there isn't much you can do in that millisecond that you're in the air before you slam and cannonball into the water.
0: It is a challenge.
1: So the difficulty with the show is that they're asked to do things like when they fall off the slide to aim as close as possible to a target or throw balls through a hoop or go as far as possible they possibly can, but there's only so much strategy you can employ when you're going 70 miles an hour down a water slide. So we see the judges having to parse out these small movements that people can make in this scenario and blow them up as if they were super intentional and really smart. And they have to do all of this digging Because ultimately, there's just not much you can do once you are shot off a water slide.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of replays and breaking down every second because it only takes like five seconds. And I think one game that was a really good example of this was called Target Toss. So you are kind of launched off of this balloon type object high into the air and you have six balls strapped to your chest, (laughs) you have to throw them basically as far as you can. The further you go, the more points you can get. But because you're only in the air for like a couple seconds... Some people didn't even throw all six of their balls. Yes. And so the people who just frantically removed them from their chest tended to get the most points rather than the people who tried to intentionally throw one or two towards the three-point area.
1: Because what are you supposed to do when you've been shot off a water slide? There was another one. The very first activity was called speed skimmer. You're shot off a water slide. The goal is to just go... As far as possible, but navigate around these buoys. The person that did the best had the body type that helped them do the best. And the ranking of contestants after that one, you could literally see how it was effective for the people with body types that were more conducive to go further than others. There was no strategy.
0: The host even said he was the only one who, like, lightly touched the water. He really did just skim across and was surprised that he won. (laughs)
1: Y'all, there was this one contestant named Dominic Giorgiani, and he is a rock photographer, but who looked like a rock star himself. It looked like if Ozzy Osbourne had decided to do a water sports competition show. And he said he did the show because he was scared of heights and other things. And so it was to overcome his fears, but he truly really dominated each category and was surprised every time that he won. Because again, I'm not sure how much strategy you can put into a show like this. And the judges had to parse out the small things that he was doing as if he were like some sort of savant at water sports competitions.
0: Yeah, everything he did was literally unintentional. He just (laughs) slid down the slide and let gravity and physics take control. But they tried to give him credit.
1: How did you feel about the hosts and the sideline reporter?
0: I think the hosts were fun. They had good energy. They were working with what they had in terms of Mm -hmm. what the contestants were doing and commenting on that. Like you mentioned earlier, they were trying to stretch it out as much as possible, which was also odd because I think in the first round, they sped through a few contestants and we barely even saw them. Yes, But I think overall, they were fine. Simon Gibson, the sideline reporter, you know, he has a big personality. And I think that's good for a game show. (laughs) What are your thoughts?
1: I think what is being both spoken and unspoken is that truly they did the best with what they had. They tried to brand each contestant. They had fun with their names. Each contestant had like one fun fact about them that they really just ran into the ground. This one contestant was from New Jersey. There were like five thousand New Jersey jokes. When she was eliminated, they said go back to the turnpike. There was just so little that they just stretched out what little they had into just as much as possible. I think that the chemistry between Roxy and The Miz was not great, but I think that that'll just develop as they work together.
0: They're getting comfortable rating water slide activities,
1: but their energy that they gave to rating water slide activities was, I think, as strong an energy you could give to rating water slide activities.
0: True. Shout out to the host, the sideline reporter, and all of the contestants. They were committed to this show.
1: Yes. So, are you committed to Cannonball on USA Network? Do you want to watch more episodes?
0: I would watch Cannonball casually. I think with a lot of game shows, I've don't need to watch it every single week. But this is a nice refreshing summer game show. So I think it'll be fun to keep checking out episodes. How do you feel?
1: It is very summer themed with the water. I agree. I'll watch casually. I would recommend Flora's Lava on Netflix as a game show that BJ and I both liked a lot if you're looking for one. But otherwise, Cannonball will be a fun summer watch.
0: If you want to check out some more fun summer watches, check out our other reviews on our website at thepilotpodcast.com. And you can always subscribe to us on all of your favorite podcast platforms.
1: You can follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at The pilot Pod. You can send thoughts, feelings, email us to ask more about BJ's swimming journey to askthepilotpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye.